increasing regulation, market saturation, and rising interest rates. Still think short-term rentals make sense? You're not alone. Join industry experts Bill Faith and Kenny Bedwell as they discuss how you can invest while still staying ahead of the curve, identifying trends before they happen, or blowing them away outright with their insights. This is STRonomics. The podcast is brought to you by Market My STR, the ultimate all-in-one marketing platform for short-term rental hosts. Are you tired of juggling multiple marketing tools? Say goodbye to the hassle and make your life as a host a breeze with Market My STR. Boost your booking rates and increase your revenue in no time with our powerful features. Our platform streamlines your marketing efforts so you can focus on what you do best, providing unforgettable guest experiences. Whether you're a newcomer or a seasoned host, Market My STR has got you covered. Stay connected with your guests using our comprehensive set of communication tools. From custom landing pages to text messages, email marketing, and social media integration, we provide all the tools you need to elevate your short-term rental business. Streamline your operations, enhance your guest experience today. Don't settle for less so we can have it all. Make the switch to MarketMySTR's all-in-one marketing platform and watch your business soar. Visit MarketMySTR.com today to sign up for your free trial. That's MarketMySTR.com. Elevate your short-term rental business with Mark and my STR. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to STRonomics. I'm Bill Faith. This is Kenny Bedwell. Today, we're going to be talking about forecasting future revenue, uh, which is what Kenny was just doing for me. How do you forecast future revenue, Kenny? Oh, boy. And I well, guess before we, before we uh, even go down there, why is that important? Uh, well, so as we've seen, the market changes, and we can't just necessarily rely on the last 12, trailing 12. And moreover, we can't just say, hey, look, what did this market do in 2019 pre-COVID? I mean, you can, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be that accurate either. I'm seeing markets do better than 2019 today uh, and some doing worse than what they were doing in 2019. So, uh, you know, it's, it's more about understanding, like using history as a guide, but then looking at different models to project the future. So, and that's the key word, models, not model. So that's generically what I, you know, what I typically tell people. So let's start with what are, what are those models? What do they look like? Okay. So really when I say models, it's about creating a revenue range of what can happen in say a set period of time, given the current market market conditions. So we, we've talked about this before and we talk about it in the accelerator about a good, better, best scenario um, or worst case scenario, obvious case scenario, and then best case scenario, and understanding what that potential can look like. So typically what I like to do is first, I will start out using historics kind of as a guide to understand how properties are currently doing and how they're based on tier levels. So I like to see what properties, you know, in the last 12 months where they fall in a sort of kind of revenue percentile basis. So, and um, basically what I'm saying is take your property, how is it performing today in a current revenue percentile? And then looking at historic percentiles as well and seeing where that property would have fallen there as well. So you're getting different ranges of revenue potential that it's done over time. So say it was in the 80th percentile today, I would like to see what it was in the 80th percentile in 2022, 2021, 2019, and so on. Trying to get all that data together to I understand what how that 80th percentile has grown over time, all right? The other thing too we wanna look at is market supply. How is that increased in my market and how saturated not only is the market, 
but the bedroom count too. So if we take an example like Kissimmee and we look at two and three bedrooms, there's thousands and thousands of them. And that has grown over time as well. So, you know, but whereas like you look at like an eight bedroom or a nine bedroom, sure, there's more and more over time, but there's not as many. That percentage growth difference is different than like a two or a three. So it's not as saturated when we compare the demand. So saying that, oh, wow, this market is saturated really isn't the thing. It's based on bedroom count. So when we look at kind of trying to tie all this back together, when we look at saturation and growth of that market, and we look at current historics and we put those two together, that gives us a better idea of what to model out for a revenue projection. Okay. Now that you've explained that, how do I do it? In layman's terms. In layman's terms. Okay. That's that's the uh, that's the fun part. Um, <laughs> I'm like, there's a lot there. So here's what you want to do. It, it just goes back to the whole good, better, best. What do you believe the worst case scenario is for a property that it's going to do? And what do you think the best case of it can be? All right. Don't and run a pro forma on each one of those. So if I believe this property looking at the last 12 months, okay, I'm going to use a historic here. In the last 12 months, this property is making $100,000, okay? If the market took a 20% dip, and I so I only made $80,000, worst case scenario, instead of $100,000, you know, how would the deal pencil out? Or how, you know, how would that compare to my expenses? Or if the market, you know, let's say that demand peaked 20%, which that really would be, I'd probably say like five or 10%. So five or 10% of $100,000 is what? 105, 110. How would that look for my numbers? And that'd be my best case scenario. So really it's more of like a feel for, okay, if the market took a dip of a certain percentage amount and based on current income, what would that look like? That's probably the best way a lot of people are going to be able to do it and more accurately project what they're going to do over the next 12 months. All right, Kenny. So I've never done this before. Where do I find this information? How do I, how can I get access to this? So the best way to do, um, to project, because really what you want to nail is the worst case scenario, right? Is that, I guess, from your perspective, is that really like, what would you want to know the most of for your revenue range? I mean, the most important thing for me is understanding what my operational costs, my carry costs are going to be, right? Sure. So like you use the $100,000 model. I know there's a ton of people that are out there that have 5000 6000 even $7,000 a month mortgage payments. And, you know, when property taxes come up, when insurance renewal comes up and, you know, they might have another, you factor in utilities, cable, pool cleaning, hot tub cleaning, whatever you have, just throw in another 2000 So. If you're at 5,000, 2,000, that's 7,000. 7,000 times 12, right, is 70, 84,000 bucks. So if you are at $100,000 in revenue and you take that 20% hit, now you're losing money, about $400 a month. Yeah. Right? So that's, that's worst case scenario for me. So one of the things when I'm forecasting revenue, I'm always clipping off 10%. When I'm going in and I'm forecasting expenses, my operational costs, I'm increasing 10%. Now I've created a 20% delta. That's my safe zone in there. That's how I run all of my performance. That's how I do all of my forecasting. So kind of like what Kenny said is, I mean, I, I, I want to look at occupancy rates. I want to look at average rates that are booked. I do like AirDNA's pacing feature. 
um, you know, to where I can look over the next six months to see what averages are being booked, what rates, that type of stuff. Um, and then I kind of run in and look at what's my, my minimumcy. What happens if I'm running at 50% occupancy, you know, at a 50th or 75th percentile rate when I'm typically, you know, well over the 90th percentile. So that's like worst case scenario. If I have to drop rates down to 50th percent, right? And I'm at my usually around 65, 70% occupancy and I got to go to 50% occupancy. What is that going to do to my forecasted revenue? Then I'm going to create, I'm going to figure out what that number would be. And then I'm going to compare that to my carrying costs, right? Sure. That's the big thing for me. And when you're looking at carrying costs, if your occupancy drops from 67% to 50%, you have to assume that you're going to save some money on utilities. You're going to save a little bit of money on cleaning costs. So you kind of have to really have your head wrapped around what your expenses are to end your, and your current operating costs to be able to forecast that the expense side. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too, is like, look at, so I like to look at the market saturation level. So compare what demand and supply was this year versus last year and understand because most markets have seen a decline uh, or on the other way around, they've seen an increase in saturation. And so using that as a percentage difference too, to see like, how has the, the average revenue per active listing declined and use that as like, hey, look, you're probably going to make that percentage less on this particular property, if not more. Occupancy rate is another great way, like you were saying, I instead of getting 66%, I only got 60% or 50%, you know, at this rate instead of that rate. And actually like seeing the different models and, and looking at it will help you know. But the important thing here, I think what you said is, if you're already kind of threading the needle at current projected amounts, whether you're using a free calculator or you're using the trailing 12, it's probably not a, it's probably a risky deal. Agreed. You know, like Agreed if 100%. you're not like most deals that I'm seeing today that are decent are like 30% of the, the gross revenue is your profit. Only 30%. Right. Anything less than that, it's way too risky. Agreed. To consider. So I think, and, and just, I don't want everybody to think that this is just about buying a new property today. This is how you need to look at your existing properties and your existing portfolio as yeah. well. So I, about, I think two episodes ago, I shared with Kenny, my number one property did 357 grand for a 6.4 down at the beach in Gulf Shores um, in 2022. I'm looking at probably around 270, 280. That's going to be a 25, 26, 27% hit. Hopefully I can make up some of that delta. Uh, but that's really going to all be dependent on three weeks that are coming up in the next five weeks. If I if I end up missing three weeks during the summer, that's going to cost me forty seven, forty eight thousand bucks. So, what now? What happens now? Especially if you followed me for the last couple of years, it used to be, you know, raise rates. Even as even as I got closer to the summer, you know, weeks that were open, I would hold in weeks and keep them closed off. Raise rates, raise rates. Now it's the opposite. You know, I'm like, okay, well, that was an $18,000 week. Well, what if I can get 8,000 or 9,000? You know, that's a big difference in me trying to be able to, to hold on to, you know, a smaller percentage of decline. So occupancy now is a player in my mindset where it hasn't been since, you know, 2020. 2018, 19, occupancy was a big deal for me, right? But then I completely got out of that and just charged as much as I possibly could you know, above price labs max, 
you know, in the summer of 20 and 21 and 22. It's just, it's a completely different game today than it was nine months ago, right? So we still had about another five, six weeks from this date a year ago is really when things super started, really things started to slow down. We talked about this, Kenny. What does your September look like now? Your October, your November? You know, if, then if you go back and you and look at when the guests that were staying last year in September, October, November, when they booked, a lot of those were already booked, right? Yeah. And I get that our lead time has shrunk, but a lot of that lead time are similar people that are booking you're going to end up with a lot of those people that always book in advance that just aren't taking vacations this year, right? And they're probably not going to take vacations next year. So then the question becomes is what do you forecast into 2024? You know, none of us are economists. We don't control the economy. We can't live our lives out of fear. But I can tell you right now, I'm budgeting about another 10% dip over where we're going to finish out with 2023 just to be safe. Yeah. Right? So that that's factoring into the property I'm under contract with right now. Right. It's factoring into my existing portfolio. It's factoring into decisions. The property that I'm going to buy right now, and it's interesting, Kenny talks about submarkets and, you know, bedroom counts. So the bedroom count that we're at in that property is, I think, the separator for us, Kenny. There's a ton of four or five bedrooms, yeah. but there's not very many high quality, at least that we can find at seven, eight, nine bedrooms, really that six to nine range. And that's because we're buying into that size. I think we're going to be able to stand out in that market, right? Plus the hosting sucks in this market. You know, it's really bad. It's worse than some of the others that you and I have talked about. So that gives me a little bit more positivity, you know, going into this investment than if I was going into a Gulf Shores or going into a Smokies or a Broken Bow, you know, at this standpoint. The thing that's really interesting, Kenny, and I don't want to go back. I know you mentioned Broken Boat earlier. You mentioned, um, and I said uh, Blue Ridge, and I think you said Logan. I did not. No, I did not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So the the thing with like Broken Bow and Blue Ridge, those are markets that blew up during COVID. What's the attraction there? What's the traffic driver? Those, I mean, right now, great weather, people getting out of Tulsa and Dallas to go to Broken Bow, people getting out of Atlanta to go to, you know, Blue Ridge, but what happens September, October, November, January, and February? I don't know. It's just as easy for me to drive down to Orlando or Tampa, you know, or the beach where it's warmer during the winter than it is to go to, to Blue Ridge. I get it might be four hours versus a two-hour drive to get to Blue Ridge, but these are the things that we have to consider and look at what the market shifts are happening and happening and wh where people are spending, you know, their dollars. That's something that becomes really important to, to understand and why you want to keep your finger on the pulse of how spending is happening. I've been in the retail space since 2003 uh, with businesses and shopping malls. And one of the biggest things, indicators for the health of consumer spending is what happens on Black Friday through Cyber Monday. And that typically carries over through Christmas spending, right? So the, the, I know this is coming out way in advance of that. But when we get to that time of year, you need to keep an eye on that as well. Now, go look at General Growth Properties, Simon Properties, the two largest shopping mall and real estate, commercial real estate holdings in the country. When they do their reporting on a monthly basis, keep an eye on their stock price because that 100% is driven by consumer spending. These are things that we need to be looking at because you may say, well, people going to Forever 21 
you know, to spend money or going into an Apple store <laughs> doesn't affect me. The fuck it doesn't. It 100% affects what's happening. Kenny knows this. He used to work for the, like one of the largest, you know, banks, you know, in the world. And you're doing deeper research like that. That's impacting consumer spending habits. Correct. So I'm not telling you to go, you don't have to go look at stocks and all that type of stuff, but look at some of these players because the consumer spending habits start at the smaller level. And well, let me rephrase that. They start at the higher level for us and then they matriculate. It's much easier to cut out a, a thousand or 2000 or 10 or $15,000 a week or a night stay as it is to spend, cut out buying a new watch band for my iWatch, right? So since we are all in that higher tier and most of us are discretionary income, we are not non-discretionary income because a lot of us aren't dealing in, you know, that business travel world. Most of us are in discretionary vacation uh, markets, that type of stuff. And even if you're in the urban area, unless you're dialed into, you know, the traditional midterm, you know, nurses, business travelers, that type of stuff, that's where we can get hit. And I think one of the things to, it used to be, Kenny, that we could kind of insulate ourselves not being in Hawaii, not being in Miami or Puerto Rico the fly-in markets where it was the drive-in markets, but we're already seeing that, you know, like Broken Bow and, and Blue Ridge, they're being impacted just as well as Gulf Shores and Destin, you know, is as well. It's, and we're not just picking on these two markets. It's because it's happening all across the country. And what I think is going to happen, and it's interesting because I'm investing into a big market right now, but I think the smaller markets that we don't talk about that have traffic drivers, like the ones with, you know, smaller national parks, smaller ski resorts, that type of stuff. I think those are the ones that are going to actually stand out and potentially thrive, you know, over the next 12 to 18 months. What are your thoughts on that? Yes. And I think that we are going to see uh, people, investors, a little more hesitant to pull the trigger on short-term rentals at price points where it doesn't quite make sense in terms of revenue. Like, we're going to see more and more uh, investors say, no, it has to be at this ROI in order for me to even consider, which none of the property, I wouldn't say none of them, but most properties right now for sale aren't, aren't even close to that level. So we're going to right. see that like at a certain point when the market stabilizes, because what's about to happen, a lot of people are getting burnt in this market. And so we're going to see where it has to like, there has to be some sort of buffer. So whether you're looking at a new property or you're looking at your current property, Really what I would say, I mean, if you want to go back and listen to how I like broke everything down and saturation and his history and things like that, that's great. But ultimately the question I, I really asked yourself is, can you take a 20% hit? And the answer is no, then one, don't, you probably shouldn't consider that property. And, or two, you, you might consider pivoting um, if you're in that property right now, because we're, you're headed. When you say pivot, are you talking going from short-term to mid-term to long-term? No. Are you talking I, about selling? Sure. It could be anything. It could be go to midterm, long-term. It could be selling. It could be selling and going into another market. Um, it, it really just depends on what your investment strategy is. So if, like, you're, if you're struggling right now, you are either don't have good enough photos, don't have a well enough designed property, a good enough location, or you, know, or you bought wrong. You, yeah. know, you bought at the height of the market. And that's what most of you that are struggling probably just didn't buy well enough. Right. Correct. That, that's exactly what the case. You didn't buy well and you probably didn't, you didn't calculate the expenses. You bought somebody in 2021 or 2022 that was already, I wouldn't say the height of the market, but up, on the upswing that was selling you a property 
uh, that was, you know, if, if you paid 800, they, they paid 450, you know, for that property and it made sense for them, but it's not making sense for you at 800. Uh, so and those are all things that we need to look at as we're doing our own internal audits. I, I can't tell you that the last, if you're watching this episode, go back four episodes because the last four episodes are pure gold that every one of you guys, you know, need to listen to. There's no question. And it talks a lot about some similar scenarios that we're going through right now. It's not, it's forecasting, it's budgeting, it's auditing, it's what to do if you're losing money. It's all of these things that are really important because if you're not there yet, you're probably, you might be there in a couple of months, specifically if you've purchased after May of 2020, right? And it's really interesting, Kenny, the majority of my properties I purchased because I've continued to level up, but you know, hopefully I don't fall into, into that position. Uh, yeah. but you know, and that's one of the things I do like about having bigger properties. Sure. There's more debt, but you know, you have that higher revenue, you know, higher cash flow to where you have a little bit more absorbance. I think the ones that are going to be really in trouble are the ones that were in the 300 to $600,000 range that were only doing 80,000, 90,000 to start with. And then they take that 18,000, that $20,000 you know, hit, they, they just don't have a big enough Delta from a cash flow perspective, you know, in there, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I'll say this too, especially with new properties, beware of people, realtors, anyone who says, well, the potential of this property is this, they don't know what they're talking about. So like, just, just be cognizant of that. Finally, I just want to say like, nobody has a crystal ball, including ourselves. And I'm seeing a lot of people like talk about like, oh, you know, we forecast and I'm not going to name names, but we're forecasting like the market to do this, this, and this. Well, a property in a market, like our properties are in sub-markets within markets within the entire industry. And so what the industry does is going to be completely different than how your property performs. And so, and then furthermore, we can't really project a full year out, you know? Like what if another COVID happens or what if there's a war? Like all these different things, like we don't know. So we have to like insulate ourselves. Like you were saying, Bill, and just say like, if I took this hit. So being pessimistic about deals, in my opinion, or bearish, you know, approaching it bearish, but you're you're looking to buy or looking to, you know, continue in a market, but saying, well, if I took a hit, how bad would that be? Versus, you know what? I'm going to be super optimistic and hope for the best, you know? Sure, you be can cautiously be that, like, Don't run your numbers off that, you know? <laughs> so, cautiously optimistic that's that's you know, a great way of saying it don't in, be in the yeah. good better and best scenario you you need to produce the best but you better be budgeting off of the better right, right. somewhere either better or between good and better right and you should never go higher than that i mean i'm looking i usually budget off the 110 to 125th percentile right now i'm budgeting at about 100 of the 100 percentile right and i know a lot of well what do you mean already in a you know, SCR Insights only goes to the 90th percentile, you know, so we talked about the, the mastermind markup at 30% and mine's usually around 55%, but I'm not budgeting on that today. I can't <clears throat> because it's getting harder and harder, you know, for me. And a lot of that has to do with going back to being the marketing guy to the marketability of your property, right? If you, yeah. if your, if your property is not marketable, uh, then, you know, you need to make it marketable or, or you in the right location, yeah. you know, like I, you're, if you're like, here's a good example, properties, uh, I use the lakefront one cause that's what I'm on, like lakefront versus non-lakefront. 
if you're non-lakefront, you're more likely going to see a bigger hit than lakefront property. And dude, there's only like two or three lakes in the country that you can be non-lakefront. I mean, you right. have to be lakefront. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe a flathead lake or whatever the name of that big ass lake is in Arizona. I can't remember the name of it, but um, you know, there's like a handful, less than a handful of lakes that you can be off the lake and, and have oh, a good, Powell? yeah, exactly. And have a good short-term rental. Everything else it's, it's about lake and it's about the views, you know, you, on yep. that lake as well. Yep. Um, I mean, I can't emphasize, Bree and I, we were down at our lake house, Kenny, last week, and we went and looked at a house in our neighborhood, uh, literally quarter of a mile away, but, and it was nicer and more expensive than the one that we had. I wanted the bigger house, the bigger bedroom. So I was, I'm not saying I was even gonna, not even interested in buying because it was like 400 grand to renovate. Big house, but like still 2006, Golden Girls. But we walked in and the, and the pool was amazing. We don't have a pool, all this stuff. But you know what? The view was about a seven out of 10. Our, we have the best view and the best location on our lake. You know, these huge long range views. And have, even though across from this house, there was no homes, but you only had like 150 yards of water to be able to see from half the view. You only had to be in this certain spot to be able to see out onto the main channel. That cuts like probably 30% of my overall marketability, right? And just because of that, even if I could, it was like a $2.2 million, you know, purchase, even if I could get it at 1.5 or 1.6, I would not buy it because I lose the marketability on it. So I think that's one thing right now that all of us should look at our properties and because we're not just talking about buying. What is the marketability of your property? Like literally, if you don't know, that's my Instagram right there, BillFace73. Send the link and ask me, Bill, what's the marketability of my property? And I'll tell you straight up if you got it or you don't, right? And if I can't see it, you better fucking find it out or you probably need to add something or look at a getting a different property, to be honest with you, because you have to have some place to hang your hat today. If you don't, you're just average. And if you're average, you're going to get crushed, especially when we get out, get out of the summer. Is that it? We done? Yeah. I, I mean, there's, there's a lot to chew on here, I think. And I, I mean, if you haven't realized it, there isn't like a really a, a very straightforward way to accurately forecast future revenue of a property. I think that that's gotten pretty clear. You, you have to take a look at several different variables. You have to take mm -hmm. a look at the more current market conditions, the saturation of the market, you know, where your property is located, the markability of your profit or your property, just like all these different things that really make up how revenue is generating short-term rentals. And so it, it's not like very clear. And it's not something that Bill and I can say over a podcast, this is what you do. And this, right. you know, this is how you calculate in this calculator. It doesn't exist. Was that your Bill voice, by the way? This is what you do. You want me doing the Bill voice? No, don't. <laughs> uh, I need to speak. I, there, I agree, right. Kenny. There's a lot of factors. There's a lot of factors that have to be considered. Yes. And location, views, quality of your photos, carry costs, marketability. You know, all those things. And I just want to reemphasize in the previous episode, Kenny said that he bought a hot tub for his Watkins Glen. It's not just about buying an amenity. It's about how it's leveraged, right? And the positioning and leverage of everything that we do in business, it, it, it makes or breaks the deal. I can't emphasize that enough. And we are running a business. For most of you, if you, even if you are an entrepreneur, what you're investing into properties is probably the most you've ever invested. For me, it is. I'd never spent over a hundred grand, Kenny, to start a business. 
Most of my businesses, I started with $25,000 or less. And now I'm, you know, hundred, $200,000 for a million dollar property. It blows my freaking mind to be honest with you. So I, though, I just want to end this with, this is not a doom and gloom podcast, right? It's if you're struggling, you need to look through this lens and look at these things to be able to improve. Um, you know, I just pulled up my stuff. I am, even though I'm down on my number one property, Kenny, which I think we'll make some of that up. I think I'll get some of that book through the summer. I'm down 3.7% year to date on my total portfolio. That to me is not that bad. And I have an opportunity through the summer to put that into the positive to increase over 2022. If I can come out even Steven at the end of 2023, like roughly where I'm at now, down 5%, up 5%, 100% even Steven, I will be tickled pink. But the one thing I'll tell you is I'm working about three times harder, mm. taking three times more time, you know, putting it into this. And that's one of the reasons why I'm trying to right size my portfolio. And I'll probably even sell another one of my underperformers because the more properties you have, if you self-manage like Kenny and I do, the less time you can put into each individual property, right? So for me, it's about optimizing properties today. It's not about, you know, really being in growth mode. If you hear me talk about I'm buying a property, I can promise you I've either already sold one or I'm selling one, you know, before I go and I purchase. So think about the optimization of your time and your effort and how you're putting that into your portfolios. The set it and forget it days of COVID are definitely gone. Awesome. Great job, Kenny. Love High it. five. <laughs> Great job. Yeah. It's kind of hard on these things. It's backwards. It opposite we'll put like, that into yeah. the bloopers. Yeah, I know, right? Dear. <laughs> That's funny. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, please, if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, wherever, please take a second and just leave a review. It would mean the world to Kenny and I. We'd really appreciate it. And, we look forward and to share it with a friend. If you know a friend who's struggling in the short-term rental space, share it with them or in a Facebook group or something. You know what? That's a great ask. Honestly, because there's, we don't get enough listeners to this. And there's so many people that reach out to us. I know you get it like I do. Like, oh my God, I never thought of these things. You put it into this perspective and you kind of give the data. And then I give the unfiltered, pun intended, you know, version of, you know, what <laughs> needs to happen. And um, yeah, please, you know what, even better than a review, share it with a friend, put it into a Facebook group, you know, because if it's, if it helps you, it's going to help somebody else. And that's probably the most important thing for Kenny and I is we just want to help anybody. Whether you're doing great right now or whether you're struggling, um, just take to, takes five seconds to hit the share button off of YouTube or share the podcast link from wherever you're listening to it into a Facebook group or a text message. We'd really appreciate that. Thank you, everybody, for being here. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to STRonomics. Stay ahead of the curve and subscribe today. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.